Listeners, happy hump day. Welcome back to Chronically Jess. I'm your host, Jessica Viscarello, and I'm super late rolling out part two of my health journey. Sorry, Monday, I have no excuses. I just didn't do it. And then yesterday was my 46th birthday. So so I took a step back from the chronic illness community, which may seem counterproductive, but sometimes you have to kind of put that identity in check. And I wanted to celebrate quietly, drama-free, and just separate myself from being sick, even for just a couple of hours. So we're going to roll out part two today. But before we do, I want to give all of you who have listened a special shout out. Thank you so much for being so supportive and for listening and giving me your tools and tips and tricks and ideas and just cheering me on. A couple of you have made some connections independent of me through this podcast, and that is just absolutely my favorite thing. So without further ado, let's pick up in September of 2015. So We're in September 2015 in Gainesville, Florida at UF Health Hospital. It's a teaching hospital, fresh perspective, fresh eyes, brand new doctors who are not jaded by the world of chronic illness and have no preconceived notions. Sounds like the ideal situation, right? Not necessarily. It was an eight hour surgery that was supposed to be about two hours. When the surgery was over and I was in recovery, My doctor went out to tell my parents, we're finished, Jessica's in recovery right now, but I have no idea how your daughter has been managing for the last several years. Her insides were completely destroyed, and I didn't really convey the depth of how bad it was last week, but I will tell you now. I had, in addition to my hysterectomy, which is complete, everything taken out, uterus, ovaries, fallopian tubes, and cervix. I also had a bowel resection. So a good portion of my intestines were taken out. So where your large and small intestine come together is very crucial for nutrient absorption, which will play a part later on down the road in this episode. So that was removed. I also had a bladder resection. So they basically took my intestines and bladder apart and put them back together again. It was pretty bad. So I spent five days in the hospital, basically learning how to do everything all over again, because when you have an abdominal surgery like that, it completely changes the structure of your pelvic and abdominal cavity. So your remaining organs have to settle into their new spots and basically learn to function again. I had to learn to sit up, go to the bathroom, take a shower, walk, all of those things were were just different. And I remember one night being in the recovery ward. And I also want to mention that my recovery room was on the same wing as brand new mothers who had children. I had a headache. I was really trying to put off taking any more morphine than I possibly had to because I didn't want to get constipated. And a nurse came in after me ringing the call bell and I asked for Tylenol. And I also mentioned that I had been waiting for about an hour. It may have been a little theatrical. And she said to me, well, 
The doctors and nurses on this wing have been busy with women who have had their babies. And it was like a punch to the gut. We'll talk about infertility in another episode, but at that point, my infertile self was very raw, very tender, and thrown into instant menopause. So it was a hormonal train wreck. Anyway, that nurse did not come back to my room the entire time. I was also hallucinating during that time and calling my coworkers, telling them all about the baby sheep that were in my room, that Dr. Snuffleupagus was in my room, writing prescriptions for cold cuts. Needless to say, Jessica and anesthesia do not go very well together. So on day five, I went home and thus began a very, very long recovery. And about six weeks into recovery, I had my first bowel obstruction. If you've ever had a bowel obstruction, I don't recommend getting one. (laughs) My small and large intestine formed scar tissue and that scar tissue was so bad that it nearly closed my colon off. So I kept getting obstructed. And also during that time, I was still very anemic because I was still straining to go to the bathroom. So another surgery was scheduled to redo the resection, but that was put off until my blood was back to normal. So in a very short period of time, I don't really talk about this very often, but I developed a touch of an eating disorder. And when I say that, I don't mean that I was anorexic or bulimic because I hate throwing up and I hate starving myself. But I was so terrified to eat anything solid because I would eat something and then just basically wait for the pain because I did not want to go through another bowel resection, which is ultimately what happened. So for a long time, I ate nothing but baby food, a lot of protein shakes, jello, anything soft and digestible. I stopped eating meat and I stopped eating dairy and for a while I stopped eating vegetables too. So I really wasn't getting great nutrition and it was basically eat something small, wait for the pain. When the pain didn't come, wait to go to the bathroom and you guys know how little I am. So when I went in for my hysterectomy, I weighed 141 pounds at my lightest. I weighed 108 pounds. And it really messed with my head. So after my second bowel resection, I was put on a medication called Linzess, which is designed for people with constipation. It was a very low dose, didn't really help a lot. Meanwhile, I was still bleeding rectally, still having iron infusions, still having blood transfusions. chronic bleeding goes on for a while, you potentially become anemic. And I already had a history with iron deficiency anemia. And nobody could quite believe that even though I wasn't having periods anymore, I was still so tired and so anemic. And so that led to one of many colonoscopies and had a few in my life. And just basically the general consensus is you have really bad hemorrhoids, but trigger warning, you can only cut off so much 
butthole <laughs> before you start losing it. So no doctor wanted to operate. And to be honest, after two hemorrhoidectomies, I really didn't want to deal with it either. So that just kind of left, left me at a stopping point with taking Linzess and the cycle of constipation, bleeding, bleeding, leading to anemia, having an iron infusion. And if you guys know anything about iron, it can be constipating. So it was just kind of an endless cycle. So after some time, the bleeding kind of tapered off. And that's where we get to July of 2019, where this latest train wreck kind of started. So we're in July. I'm experiencing bleeding. It's hot outside. I'm miserable. I start feeling sick and faint and dizzy all the time. And one morning I got up about four o'clock in the morning. I was heading to the airport to go out of town and I felt really, really weird. And I guess I got out of the shower because I blacked out and I woke up face down on my living room floor. I had hit my head. I had smashed my chin and my shoulder and gave myself one heck of a concussion. And I woke up and passing out is not a fun thing, but it's kind of like vomiting. Once you get it over and done with, you're like, okay, that's done. I can carry on. And I got the bright idea that I was still going to go out of town, but instead I ended up in the emergency room with a hemoglobin level of eight. A normal person's hemoglobin is between six and 16. I'm sorry, eight and 16 parts per million, per million. Again, unscripted. And mine was at, was at eight. And they basically said, follow up with your GI doctor in a couple days. We can't really do anything for you. Your blood isn't low enough to transfuse. A couple of days later, I passed out again, hit my head again, went back to the same hospital. And in just a couple of days, my hemoglobin dropped critically low to 5.7. And I got a blood transfusion. Was told once again, follow up with your GI. A couple days later, same thing happened. I went to a different hospital and was checked in for a week just to try to control the bleeding, monitor my iron, monitor my blood. And kind of watched the concussion and I had never had a concussion before all those years of soccer had never hit my head that hard and I started having dizzy spells still feeling like I was going to pass out but we did get the bleeding under control and the blood and the iron lasted for just a little while fast forward a couple more months to February and I'm starting to think, looking back, that this is where I made a big mistake, or at least made a mistake with my doctor. That constipation medicine, that Linzess I told you about, was bumped up to the highest dose. And for the past six months, another trigger warning, I have had watery diarrhea three to four times a day. I'm still eating, still very leery of meat. I still don't have any dairy, but I do eat a relatively healthy diet, but it's not lasting. It's not staying put. 
So in May, I started feeling really just odd and and disoriented and disconnected. And a few months prior, I need to back up. I was diagnosed with a very benign heart condition called POTS, which stands for postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which is apparently very, very common and not necessarily dangerous in my situation, but it was triggered by this multitude of events. So here we are in May of this year and I start passing out again and bleeding a little bit, but not critical bleeding, but just enough. And I started having some stomach pain. Now, stomach pain is always going to be par for the course with me, but it's just the game of, okay, is this a bowel obstruction? Is this just abdominal cramping? Did I eat something funny? The world may never know. And I went to the emergency room and they didn't find anything. Of course, went to a different emergency room and in 24 hours, they found a very large abscess or infection in my colon that somehow was missed at the prior hospital. So they did a CAT scan, did all of these different tests. My hemoglobin was slightly low, but not critical again. And I was told to follow up with my GI the following day who would drain the abscess and then I would just carry on with my life. And at this time I was planning a move out of state. And I want you to pin that for a moment. So a couple days later, I ended up right back in the hospital. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it was that same day. I got out of the hospital, went home, passed out, went back to the hospital by ambulance. And this is of course all during COVID and being brought to the hospital that way after being in a situation where I was passing out and been in the hospital right prior to that, I was considered a COVID risk. And before they admitted me for a week, they did a COVID test. One star, do not recommend, absolutely not fun. That was negative. So the abscess was removed. I had another colonoscopy. I had an endoscopy. And in that week I was under anesthesia three times. And it was also diagnosed that I had really, really bad gastritis. So from there, everything has tanked with the feeling tired all the time. I haven't passed out lately, but the dizziness, the disorientation, feeling disconnected, this derealization, feeling like I'm on another planet, just all of these symptoms keep adding up and adding up and all of my labs keep coming back normal. So that brings me to today. I've seen a rheumatologist. I've seen a primary physician. I've seen a neurologist, seen all kinds of doctors. And the one doctor who keeps listening to stuff and listening to my crazy ideas and my crazy theories is my GI doctor. I had a colonoscopy the other day and the residue of a an old polyp was removed, a couple more spots biopsied. I'm sure those are fine. I haven't heard anything yet, but if it was bad, I would have heard something by now. But I begged that doctor because I had another theory. I started thinking, okay, if I'm looking at timelines, 
what is the one big thing that has changed or been different? And the one thing I keep coming back to is the boost in my Linzess medication. So like I said before, if you keep going to the bathroom, you may be eating, but if you're not retaining nutrition, you become vitamin deficient. So I told her my theory. I said, I would really like to talk about getting me off of this Linzess. Let's do a nutrition panel. Let's see if I'm iron deficient. Just check all of these things. And you know what? She listened and she ordered them. It's been five days that I've been off of Linzess. I'm going to the bathroom like a normal person, normal for me, I should say. And I'm having my full nutrition panel done on Friday. Today is Wednesday. So a lot of that does have to do with endometriosis. Some of it doesn't. And that kind of brings this whole story full circle. I'm going to stop there because that's a good chunk of time that I've taken from you. And I'm going to leave you with this. Chronic illness is no joke, you guys, and you just never know what somebody is dealing with. You could have something that you were born with, it's congenital, or you could have something that you contracted from somebody else, or something that just developed over time and you really don't know what triggered it. It's a huge community that we're in. It's a very ironic sisterhood between me and my girlfriends who I've met through this journey. And I use that term ironic because Yes, we're all friends and I have some wonderful friends in this community, but we wouldn't have met if we weren't all suffering in some way. So that irony is definitely not lost on me. And speaking of friends, that's going to be the theme for our next episode. I'm going to tell you some stories of how I met some of the best people I know and how my friendships look a little bit different now and how I relate to the people around me who don't deal with the same things on a daily basis. Thank you guys so much for joining. I'll see you next week. And until then, be super nice to each other because you really never know what somebody is going through. See you next week.